What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 31 of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Guys, I'm in a super good mood. And why, you may ask? Well, I was fortunate enough to spend a week-long vacation in Madrid, Spain, and it was just fantastic. My wife and I had a fantastic time. I ate way too much food. So much food, it's crazy. Like I definitely gained a ton of weight uh, around my midsection because, well, you know, the food in Spain was just pure magic, all right? I'm talking jamón de iberico. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that. Uh, Caracamusa, uh, just so many good dishes that uh, Spain produced. It was just amazing. We went down to Toledo and explored that city, and uh, wow, just the architecture, the history, it was amazing. So guys, if you ever have an opportunity to travel to Madrid, I highly suggest that you do. The city is amazing. The people are friendly. The food is delicious. I mean, it's just wins all around. And here, you know, one thing I found out is that uh, I really like uh, jamón, okay? And this is like an aged ham, and the flavor are is just so amazing. It's the fat and the meat is so delicate, and it's got such a deep uh, flavor, an interesting flavor, that uh, you'll fall in love with it if you, you know, if you like ham and uh, aged meats and things like that. It's It's just, it's up there, okay? Top. I'm even willing to say this. And I'm probably going to upset some of my uh, listeners from Italy. I'm going to say that Hemon de Iberico is better than Prosciutto di Parma. Okay, I never thought I would say that, but it is, guys. Okay, I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and lay that on you. Okay, it is it, Hemon de Iberico is so darn good. Okay, guys, get out there and uh, give it a try. Okay, so we're going to talk about why the PGA designated events are both good and bad, okay, my take on that. And then, uh, you know, some developments that Jay Monahan announced about match play for the PGA 2024 season. And I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, gonna, I'm interested to know what you guys think about it as well. So, okay, the PGA has these designated events, all right? There's 16 designated events plus the four majors. So, totaling of 20 designated events, but the majors are already pretty big anyway, so I don't think you need to give them any special designation or classification because they're called the majors, all right, PGA? So, 16 designated events. Now, as far as coming from this, from the aspect of why this is good, is because it puts up big money and entices the tour's top talent, okay? These guys, you know, JT, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, uh, Xander Shoffley, all these big names um, want to compete for big money. And another thing is that fans recognize these big names, okay? We know these guys. We've seen them play. We've followed them play. You know, we, we've, we've seen their development on the tour, uh, of course, they're big on social media as well. There's a lot of highlights of them playing. They're, they each have their interesting personalities, you know. So uh, you know these guys. These are these are household names, okay. Um, another 
good for the designated advances, guaranteed money because there is no cut. All right. Now I know, and you guys know my feelings about, um, you know, not having a cut uh, for major golf events. And I, I think that that is a good thing because it takes some of the pressure off of these uh, golfers enough to that they can provide a, a good show for the fans. Because what is professional golf really about? It's about providing entertainment for the fans. That's what drives the engine, or that's what fuels the engine, okay? Uh, you are not going to have professional golf, or any professional sport for that matter, if you don't have a fan base to support it, okay? You need that that investment from fans to be able to even have uh, you know, a golf tournament, major golf tournament. And, you know, I was listening to the Hank Haney podcast uh, not long ago. He's, he, I like what he has to say. He, he just uh, sets it straight, and I appreciate that. And he had mentioned how um, when you show up to a sporting event, you want to see those big names. And I completely agree with him on that. If, you know, you go to see uh, Jordan... Spieth play in a professional golf event and he misses the cut and your ticket is for, you know, Saturday or Sunday, you're in, you're in trouble because you're not going to see Spieth play, you know, because he missed the cut. In, in this case, these designated events eliminate that. So it's better for the fans because they get to see their favorite player. They don't have to worry about that player having an off week, missing the cut, and going home early, and then that you know hundred dollar plus ticket that you purchased uh, is now you know it's not worth as much because you don't get to see the guy you wanted to see play. So I think that is a good thing with with uh, not having to cut smaller playing fields. Okay, this is another good thing because it expedites play. You're not going to have to peel through a huge playing field with a major cut and all this kind of stuff, and you know you really. No disrespect to the guys that are, say, you know, 30th and under on the, the points list, which you guys know how I feel about the points list anyway, but uh, we really don't know your name yet. You know, we're, we're still trying to uh, learn about your style of golf and your, your playing ability and everything like that, and there's a lot of great PGA Tour golfers that fall below that 30th designation, and we don't really know about them. You know, we haven't heard a lot about them. You know, we saw that in the Honda Classic with uh, Kirk and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, the, the, the guy that uh, finished second. We didn't really know a lot about his story, but it was fantastic to find out about his story. Um, and we wouldn't have known that had he been kind of overshadowed by some of the, uh, you know, more uh, well-known uh, professional golfers. So, you know, these smaller playing fields is good because you don't have to weed through, uh, you know, this, this large and cumbersome um, four-day event where two days is just about cycling people out and getting to the best of the best. We already know that these top names can play. We already seen that. We, they've proven it over their career. You know, we know these guys have game. So I kind of feel like they've they earned that position to be there. If you, you've got a household name, then you can be there because you're going to draw fans. 
Look at Tiger Woods, okay? I just want to point this out. Look at Tiger Woods and his playing ability. Right now, because of his accident, he is not playing very good golf, okay? He has his days, yes. Is he a great golfer? Yes. But I guarantee you, if Tiger Woods went out there and shot a 95, people wouldn't care. The golf media would care, for sure. That would be hot hot news. But the fans that are going to the golf tournament want to see Tiger Woods. They don't care how he plays. They just want to see him play. They want to be able to say, man, I got to see Tiger play. It's like going to see you know, your, your favorite rock band that is that's their farewell tour, and they're not coming back next year. They may go up there. They may sing out of tune. They may sound horrible on stage, but you're going to get a T-shirt. Yeah, you're going to walk home with the T-shirt because you can say, oh, man, I got to see them before they don't ever play again. You get to experience that, and that becomes an experience that you share with a select group of people. Now, that group may be huge. It may be thousands or hundreds of thousands in the case of The Rock Show, but it's still a limited number of people. You got to experience something that is only going to happen for a limited amount of time, and whether it's you know Tiger Woods playing golf or a, a rock band farewell tour, you can say you were there. So no cut, smaller playing fields, those are good things for the designated events. This is where it starts to get a little bit uh, bad, in my opinion. And one of the things, one of the requirements for these designated events and, and qualifying for them is that you are required to play most of these, if not all of these, designated events. I think they're allowing them to, to miss one designated event, okay? Well, that kind of forces all these players to be pushed into these events. Now, the four, ma- the four majors, every top player is going to want to play in, okay? They, they, it's, you get, you know, visibility, higher purses. It's the one of the toughest measurements, if not the toughest measurements in professional golf. So you want to play the majors. So now we're talking about 16 events. So they get to miss one out of those 16 events, uh, and just not show up for it, okay? So, you know, that's a lot of golf already. We're talking 19 to 20 tournaments in a season, and I, I'm starting to wonder how that's going to impact these other tournaments. So let's let's call them uh, non-designated tournaments, okay? Because that, that would be accurate. They're designated and non-designated events. So what does that mean for these these tournaments that don't receive the designated status? Well, uh, it means that they somehow become less important than the designated events. I mean, you just you you cannot say, you know, uh, this event is designated. That puts a special classifier on that particular event. People are going to pay more attention to that event because you've got the top names competing in that event. You look at the situation with the Honda Classic. I mean, I, Billy Horschel was the name that I recognized there. I, I you know, you, you didn't have the top performers out there at the Honda Classic, so that hurts that event. I mean, it really, really does. How do you drum up fan support, fan involvement for an event that doesn't have those top names that you want to go see, you know? So it just, it, that's where it starts to get a little bad for me. Now, I believe that concentrating the top talent would help propel fan involvement. And I believe it does, but only in those events. 
only in the designated events, right? I mean, you know, let's go back to the Honda Classic example. Uh, you don't have those top talent performing in the Honda Classic. And if you watched any of it, it was pretty dry going up to the last day when you had the playoff between Kirk and the, the other gentleman. And then it started to get interesting. Okay? But before that, it was it was hard to watch. It was a little tough. It just didn't seem like it had the flavor that, uh, that I wanted it to have, at least for, you know, my taste and watching professional golf. You know, I want to see those top names, or at least some top names. Not everybody's got to compete, but you get four or five guys out there, you know, that, that are good ball strikers and have a solid uh, track record of uh, finishes. That makes the production better. So I think that this is going to, to hurt those events that are not designated because they automatically get a lower status. You just can't avoid it. Whether or not the PGA Tour says that they're any different or not doesn't matter. Fans will react. They will. They just, they absolutely will, okay? Now, another issue that, uh, that I have with these designated events is how it limits some of the lower status guys for qualifying for these events. And I wanted to read the qualification sheet that the PGA Tour put out so, you know, I can kind of help you guys understand uh, what the requirements are to get into these designated events. So I've got it up here on my computer, and it says that the designated event eligibility, okay, so the top 50 prior year FedEx Cup through the playoffs, all right, so people in the top 50 from the prior year FedEx Cup through the playoffs are going to be eligible for these events. Then we've got the top 10 available and not otherwise exempt from the current year FedEx Cup. And then it's got a little little line beneath that where it says prior year fall FedEx Cup list through West Coast. So I hope you guys are following this. That's, that's top 10 there. Top 5 available and not otherwise exempt FedEx Cup points earners through the swing of full field events. Okay. Now, as far as the winners for designated event eligibility, current year tournament winners, full FedEx Cup points events, top 30 official world golf ranking points, uh, PGA Tour members in parentheses there. Notice, notice no live golfers would be eligible. Of course, four sponsors exemptions for PGA Tour members. Okay, so there's the, the designated event eligibility. Okay, and that just seems like other than being kind of confusing, uh, like there's a lot. There's a lot that you have to, to, to uh, remember and uh, fight for to get into these designated events. You know, these other guys, these top names, they just find a way in. You know what I mean? They're just Obviously, their playing ability is really, really good. You want them there for fan involvement, but... I kind of feel like it's a little bit skewed towards the top players and it's harder for these, you know, uh, let's say 30th and below or maybe 40th and below on the ranking, official World Golf ranking points, those guys that make up your backbone of the PGA Tour to get into these designated events and enjoy these larger purses. You know what I mean? What's going to happen? Okay, let's think about this, guys. What's going to happen with these designated events? They're getting a lot more attention. They're getting a lot more funding. Sponsors are going to want these designated events because of the visibility that they bring, because they have top names. So what happens to the smaller events? Where are you going to find a sponsor that says, you know what, I don't want to support a designated event. 
you know, I'll, I'll put up the, the sponsorship money, you know, 15 million or whatever to host these events. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be grateful for the viewership and the, uh, the visibility that we get off of these non-designated events. Well, what do you mean we're not going to have the major players there? What do you mean that uh, we don't have uh, the classification as a, um, a designated event? So in, you see where I'm going with this? Like, I think once you have these designated events, the lesser known events are going to start to trail off. People are not going to be as interested. Viewership is going to be down. Sponsors willing to invest in these lesser known events are probably going to be harder to find because, let's face it, this is this is business. So if you're Rolex or you're, you know, any company that wants to, to support some sort of, you know, golf event, you want to get the most visibility possible. You want to have your your logo, your name sponsored and posted everywhere all over that event, okay, that you know is going to get a ton of fans, not only at the event, but also a ton of viewers on television or on streaming services or whatever. So I find it hard that the non-designated events are going to survive. You know, I think you'll probably see a few of them, the lesser known events, probably just won't won't make it, you know, they, they probably will go away. And while I do appreciate the, the um, attempt at increasing fan involvement with the designated event status, I wonder if it's going to hurt the PGA Tour or professional golf as a whole by, uh, you know, detracting from some of these lesser known events. I don't know. We'll see. Previous to this, you only had to deal with the four majors. But now, with these designated events, it's changing everything up. So, I don't know uh, what that will mean for uh, future non-designated event venues and tournaments. Now, speaking of losing or removing events, we're going to talk about match play. And the PGA has decided to suspend match play events for the 2024 season. I actually want to read the quote from Jay Monahan here. <clears throat> And he said, for the next season schedule, it didn't work. But match play has been a staple out here. It's been a staple of the DP World Tour. That will certainly be a consideration as we go forward. So, there you have it, from the horse's mouth. It's not going to be there next season. No more match play. You know, And I'm sure a lot of you guys are upset about this. I myself am upset about this. And I, I start to question, why is this you know, happening, you know, could this be because of the focus put on the designated events? You know, that's the, the main talk about the PGA Tour. It seems to have made a lot of the PGA Tour holdouts very happy uh, that, you know, the, the purses have increased. There's no cuts. They like that. You know, there's a lot of good stuff. There's guaranteed money in it. And, you know, to say that you have to have a cut to have a professional golf tournament is ridiculous. You do not. Every single one of these guys on the PGA Tour are good golfers, well, great golfers. They've worked really hard to get there. They have a, a tremendous uh, ability and skill when it comes to playing golf at the professional level. I mean, this is extremely difficult golf, okay? And to think that, you know, just because a guy has a bad day on a golf course, no matter, I don't care if you're an amateur golfer or the top professional, 
in the world, you are going to have a bad round. And a bad round on the PGA Tour means you miss the cut. Well, if, you know, Colin Morikawa or John Rahm have a bad round because maybe they got in late off of their flight or whatever, they had a, you know, some sort of uh, issue with, uh, you know, adjusting to the climate or whatever, then they can, they just lose out on the whole, uh, whole deal. But by not having a cut, if they have one bad round, they have the opportunity to pick it back up in the next three days instead of, oh, well, you know, I've missed the cut because I'm, you know, 10 over or whatever, and there's no way of coming back. But at a professional level, things can change and, and, and turn on a dime. So, you know, no cut, I think, is going to be a good thing for these designated events. Now, uh, could it be the reason that we're losing the match play uh, setup? Could that be because of a sponsorship issue? And again, I have to question the designated events. Sponsors are going to want those slots, okay? 16 of those are, are going to be, a lot of people are going to be buying for those events because they want the exposure. Maybe match play just doesn't have the same excitement or flavor around it that these designated events do, which I don't really understand why because it's a completely different format. But, uh, you know, maybe some sponsors are just not interested in hosting a match play because they don't feel like it's a lot of, uh, you know, viewership or visibility or bang for their buck. I mean, that could be a ca- that could be the case. Now, I want to know what you guys think, and let me know down in the comments below. Do you think that match play is an important part of the PGA Tour or the sport of golf in general? I do. I really do. I was watching um, Tommy's Honor about uh, Tommy Morris Jr. and um, Tom Morris, and it was just, I loved that movie. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, Good golfing in it and uh, learned a lot about the history of golf. But um, a lot of their early... Uh, you know, professional tournaments, if that's what you want to call them, were match play. And I really feel like that is a tradition in golf that we don't want to lose, that we don't want to let, you know, just just slide out of the professional realm altogether. Stroke play is excellent. It is a very difficult form of golf. But match play, there's something special to it. And you know me, guys. I will be one of the first people to say that, you know, there's room for – modernity in the game of golf, but losing the tradition of match play is not an area that I think we need to change. That is an, it's an excellent form of golf, and um, I do think there is a place for it in the professional sport. Now, would not having match play cause you to stop watching PGA Tour events? If you, you know, if Monaghan decides to, after the 2024 season, just do away with match play altogether, would you stop watching PGA Tour events? Would you boycott them? Would you go to live golf? Would you stop watching professional golf altogether? How mad would it make you? Let me know. Leave a comment down below. I'd like to know how you guys feel about this uh, suspension of match play and whether or not it will come back. I'm not even sure it'll come back uh, after the so-called suspension. So, guys, that's all I've got for you today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a rating or review. It really, really helps out the podcast. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging.